Hey guys, I'm Joanna Houghton, and I play Agata Stokas on Caverns and Comedians. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, if you want to tweet us, tweet us at Caverns Pod, or if you can tweet me directly on uh, at Joanna Houghton. And stay tuned. Uh, hear all the hijinks that we're going to get up to, and then rate and review on iTunes. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Welcome to Caverns and Comedians, Dungeons and Dragons powered storytelling with Toronto comedians. Last time, the party tracked Robertica's murder to a warehouse where they got attacked by a giant ape. After what seems like two weeks of a pause, looming over the body of poor Finnick, the Balgara turns to Ogata, pounds its chest. And unleashes its melodic scream. Melodic really makes it sound a lot less scary. <laughs> and Andrea's ears bleed. <laughs> yes, you take psychic damage. <laughs> yes, yes, I have. Fook runs down, uh, sliding down the ladder, and swings his battle axe at the creature twice. The first one, uh, just kind of a glancing blow, but the second one just burying itself deeply into the creature right up to the hilt, and then he pulls it back out with a gush of blood. There is a gush. Uh, you might have to wipe yourself down a bit, because this thing now feels... You now think that most of its blood is on you and not in its body, but it is still standing, but it's it's very much heaving. I need more absorbent armor, because this keeps happening to me. The life begins to ebb away from Finnick. As he lies unconscious. Oh, the yellow hat. Oh. It's odd that you're able to moan words that just enrage the beast. <laughs> <laughs> Muldar's finding that too many of his companions are blocking his shot, so he jumps up on a ladder and shoots sideways at the beast. Two Eldritch Blasts. The Eldritch Blasts connect deeply. They move, they tear through the skin. They tear through some pretty vital organs. And these pretty vital organs, uh, if Finnick needed a transplant, he'd have easy access to them as they fall down onto his prone body as the newly minted corpse of the Balgara falls to the ground, dead. Hey guys, I learned how to shoot off a ladder. Remember last time I tried that, a spider killed me? I figured it out. And, oh, and I also killed the dude. Yay! Maldar, can you end your spell up top so that we can reach the next level? Sure. And dispelled. Oh, that was not impressive. It just kind of like fizzles out when you don't like think about it. As does everything you try. Uh, you don't have to. I mean, it's, I was doing what you asked. You're always so mean. Yes. I got to walk over to Finnick to heal him. What happened? Did I get the monkey? Ooh, Finnick, point of interest. Now that you've generated a new kidney, look at your old one. I found it up. Uh, level up. What? What? Yeah. What? There was a splatter zone. The kidney that Fook is holding is easily three times the size of your chest cavity. <laughs> <laughs> I think that might be the monkey's kidney. Oh, Mr. Book Knowledge is rubbing things in. You don't know that. How many kids can't walk now? God damn it. Wait, what? What? Uh, Fook, I've, uh, I've cast a spell to heal Finnick, but I only gave he healed him a little bit. Do you mind uh, putting your hands on him? Fook reaches out his hands, wiggles his fingers, and starts moving towards oh, Finnick. Oh, you have to be so gross about it. Well, I've got to lay hands on the areas. Yeah. So you guys are all near the bottom of this sort of rampy thing. 
Time to make our climb. When you get to the top of the scaffolding where Maldar has dispelled his uh, void of the abyss. And Finnick is already waiting. The barrels you see now are specially treated. These things appear to be wood, but they're the strength of steel. You are very glad that you were able to sort of work your way around him throwing more of these at you. Oh, we should save these. They would make amazing armor. Bag of holding. Are you saying that the way you want to dress is just yourself wrapped in a barrel? Because I've envisioned that. No, I've I'm just saying that, that my next companions, once all of you die, might be druids, and they could wear this as, as steel armor. I don't know how to take the uh, next companions once we all die part. Fook throws three barrels into his bag of holding. I still feel like these barrels were weird. Maldar casts Detect Magic to try to see what's up with these barrels, if they're magic in some way. Now that you're taking a close look at this, uh, Agata is able to recognize it as iron bark. It's basically wood with the strength of iron. Oh, I know this. My father used to work with it. Yeah, <laughs> wind swords. Whatever happened to your father? Oh, that's that's a long story. Never mind then. <laughs> <laughs> He'll probably forget it anyways. He'd forget it. You'd forget it halfway through the story. Uh, Finnick looks up to see if he can see a an opening to the fifth floor. There's a ladder up to what appears to be like a trap door as though it was the entrance to an attic in a home. You like, you get what I'm saying? Like you can push this square trap door. What I don't understand is uh, you had to pull that little string thing to lower this whole thing down so that you can actually get up to this next level. How often was he pulling that little string thing? I feel like he probably just set this up for us. Like, I can't imagine this is his everyday scenario that he was expecting someone to come. I actually feel kind of honored by that. I'm definitely not eating any of his scones. It's probably the most work that someone has ever put into trying to kill me that I can think of. Aren't you going to say that you hate the way she says that? I do, but I just or feel like you everyone, an imposter? everyone knows at this point that that's just not the right way to place to say. Uh, oh, I've forgotten how to say it now. Oh, you forgot how to say say. Yeah. That's so ironic and stupid. Finnick is already up at the uh, hatch door. Just, uh, oh, hey, folks. Uh, I'm opening this. And he opens it. As Finnick blithely, without thinking, just opens this trap door, which is quite literally a trap door, a burst of flame explodes around him. Maybe it was trapped. Maldor runs over and starts patting him down. I'm laying my hands to stop the fire. You don't have it. You're just putting your hands on me. Yeah, but oh. I'm fire resistant, so, so patting it out. So he's allowed to. <laughs> I, I, I didn't. I don't enjoy any of it. There. You're barely smoldering at all now. Hear that, Agata? Oh, he's I'm flirting smoldering. With you. <laughs> barely. You're saying this as they can smell your skin. Ah! 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 Smoldering. <laughs> so the trap door is now open. Maldar continues past Finnick up the trapdoor. <laughs> so you pop your head up and you see what was probably the office level of this warehouse at one time. And it seems to be largely intact. When you come up, you can see down two hallways. Down the hallway to your left, uh, there are like little offices that are built out. And they have uh, wood on one half and then there's, it must have been really expensive because there's actual glass on the second half on like halfway up it's wood then there's glass to the ceiling uh, you can see desks in there there's nobody there you can't see anyone uh, and then it ends in a wall and down the other one is just there's nothing there uh, but you can see that there's probably like a corner office 
but that if it's the corner office, it is all wall. It's all timber wall. Your average dull workaday office where they did all the administrative work. What's interesting is that the entire trap of creating all of those levels down below was very sophisticated, but then this this fire thing was very rudimentary. To those who want to work it out, uh, obviously this Pobis person has taken over what was once a regular uh, warehouse and turned it to his own nefarious purposes. But this warehouse still doesn't make sense to me out here in the middle of nowhere. I seem to remember that the side that he poked his head out of was over there. So perhaps we should start in that direction? Unless he's trying to make us think that, in which case we should go in this direction. I mean, that's a great point. Uh, but I just feel like all the good stuff worth possibly looting would be in the corner lo- corner office, because that's where the boss always has. So I'm going to poke my head in that corner office, because it's on the way anyway. Finnick hides behind the corner to the hallway that Muldar's going down, just in case something pops out. I'm not taking any chances. Agata pulls out her sword. I'm going to stay here, keep an eye on things. Fook follows Muldar, yelling, Pubis! Pubis, I believe we have a 315 appointment! I mean, he's he knows we're here already. He knows I don't know why I mean, we'd bother. It hasn't been subtle. Yeah, no. I hear the hero Fook Wimbles is here. Okay, okay, you're right. I gotta follow them. Mulder arrives at the corner office and checks the door to see if it's locked or trapped. You feel that this door is straining as though that something's pushing it outwards. Ow. There's definitely something in here, guys. Does the door feel warm to you? Mulder holds his hand up against it. Normal. What if you, uh stood to the side and opened it so whatever is inside goes out into the empty space. All right, everyone stand around the corner real quick. Already there. As everyone moves around the corner, Maldar uses his mage hand to open the door while it's facing away from them. Brace yourselves because a number of bodies fall out of the door. They have overalls on. There's a mix of gnomes and humans and dwarves. Dock workers by the look of it. Oh, thank God. It's just a bunch of corpses. Clearly this was a hostile takeover. Wait a second. Thank God? Well, I was worried it was a trap or fire or monsters. I'm sorry, I can't remember the name of my God. This is disgusting. This is terrible. All these people are dead, and he killed them. Oh, yeah, but we knew he was bad anyway, so, like, no new information. You have no empathy for the living. I'm trying to figure out what you guys consider. eh, You know, whatever. Let's see what's in the room. Baldur scampers over the corpses to get into the room to see what's in there. Oh my gosh, Malta. We could have just moved to the next room. Clearly he's not in there. There are about 20 bodies that have been stacked up there. Um, they Obviously it had been stacked to fall out of the door if it had been opened. Uh, it's not filling the room, but the stench of death is. Uh, inside there are just employee records. You find personnel files for each of the corpses. Is there one for pubis? There is, and there is... So the files all have a drawing of the person, and you notice that one of the corpses is Pobis. I mean, not exactly a huge surprise. We knew that Pobis has been acting suspiciously lately. This is definitely an imposter we are dealing with. Is there one for the donkey? There are no donkeys in this room. People might have left things in their desks. I doubt he would have searched the drawers, sir. Wait, why did I call you sir? Who am I? I'm actually surprised you let the uh, drawers joke go. Ooh. Oh, drawers are underwear. Yeah, that's a thing. There it goes. There it is. 
Let's get into their draw. No, it's, it sounds <laughs> creepy when they're corpses. Finnick pulls out his small mirror on the handle and rolls up to each office individually and peers around the corner to make sure that nothing is inside. All right. First office, don't see anything. Okay. So he rolls up to the second one. Don't see anything. Rolls up to the third one. Don't see anything. Rolls up to the fourth one. You see, interestingly, not a person, but a big sack that doesn't seem to match anything that was in anything else. Hey, uh, it's a big sack in here. Do you want me to open it with Mage Hand from far away? Maybe all the corpses will come out? Yeah. Cool. I'll do that. Alder slinks over to that room, pokes his head from around the corner, and opens the sack with his Mage Hand. It is full of gold coins. Wait, wait. Check for magic. Check for traps. This floor might not be stable. Check for both. I've got an idea that's slow, but possibly effective. Maldar continues to use his mage hand to grab the coins one at a time and float them over towards himself. Oh, I've got a faster plan. Fook goes back to get one of the bodies and throws it into the room. You have now gotten blood all over the coins, but nothing else seems to happen. So, okay, so no one's going to call him on just throwing corpses around. This is very in character for me. I'm just saying, I talk about dead bodies, and everyone's like, oh, you're such a monster. But he throws corpses. They're tools. Willy-nilly. I didn't say anything simply because I was in a corner shaking my head at the disgustingness of throwing a corpse into the middle of the room. If you had given me a minute. You got real quippy with me real fast. He's That's no more dead than he was a moment ago. Oh, yeah. You too. <laughs> Great, so... Is it a trap? (laughs) (laughs) It's just coins. You do notice that there is a sheet that lists each person's name and the amount of coins that they should be receiving. Oh, it's the payroll. No. Yes. There is 735 pieces of gold. Oh, well, that's sad. This is what they and their family should have gotten, Fook says, as he pours it into his bag of holding. Then maybe we should give it to their families. If you only were, we know who they were. Yeah, on the <laughs> records that you found earlier, next of kin was very clearly displayed. We could easily give it to their next of kin. These from... could have been misprints. <laughs> I mean, we'll just hold on to it for them for a while. And if we run into them during our very important adventures. We are seeking vengeance for their death. We're seeking vengeance. That's important. The two of you are deplorable. That's worth I'm, a stipend or something. I'm a vengeance paladin. That's what I do. Yes, but are you a steel from the dead paladin? Oh, yes. Of course he is. Oh, hello. Oh. From down at the end of the hall you just came from, Pobis is unleashing a fireball towards you. A fireball explodes at the end of the hallway, right beside you, sprouting flame into the office where you are. You all dive out of the way. Agata manages to dive under the desk to escape the brunt of it, but the rest of you are just roasted like walnuts. Ah! Uh, ah! Uh, ah! Uh. Ow. Uh, I'm pretty good with heat. This still hurts. Oh, Minor oh, discomfort. Somebody, oh, somebody put me out. Minor uh, discomfort. Oh, somebody put me out. Oh, you just got burned again. Oh, I just burned again. Oh, I'll, I'll pat, 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 pat down. you down. Pat, pat down. you down. Oh, does this count as a lay hands? Nope. Oh, damn it. I need it for myself. Oh, jeez. When you look up, you don't see Pobus. Where'd that bugger go? He's in the same direction as the way out. Agata runs to the end of the hallway, uh, puts her back against the, the back wall, and just kind of quickly peeks out into the corner and comes right back. Pobis is doing exactly the same thing at the same time <laughs> at the other <laughs> end of that. So he, he was poking his head and he goes, and pops his head back. Well, he's here. 
right there. Agara throws her hand out around the corner and throws a fireball right to where she saw Povis. Explodes in a sphere of fire. She can hear him go, Gotcha. Yeah, you're not the only one with fireballs. Is there another monkey? But you feel that it would be very difficult to follow him now through the flames that are licking at the sides of this building, at the sides of the hallway. Maldar runs down the hall up to where Agata is, disappears into a poof of mist as he casts Misty Step, appears right next to Povis, and tries to grapple him. As Maldar reaches for him, he's able to wriggle away. Oh, no, you don't, sir. Leaving skin, burned skin behind. Yeah, you're all kind of burned, so this is hurting. <laughs> like It really hurts for anybody to touch anyone right now. He shed like a <laughs> snake when I grabbed him. Ugh. Maldar throws the burnt skin on the ground. That's going to take a graft. Finnick slips on his slippers of spider climbing once again, jumps out the window, uh, runs along the outside of the building into the office on the direct opposite side of the building, and uh, jumps in. He is, however, too short to be seen directly through the office windows. Povis is a wizard. He doesn't like it when people try to touch him. He's He's not a rough and tumble kind of person. That's not who he is. So he doesn't like it when people do that to him. He wants to freeze them out of his life using his special cone of cold. Think you can touch me? Can you, you pitiful warlock? Uh, so Probus pushes his hand out, holding a small crystal, points it at Maldar. And the last thing Maldar sees is ice shooting towards him. It envelops him. It covers him. As the ice covers Maldar, he begins to freeze over and becomes like a statue, then slowly tips over, falls to the ground, and shatters. But as he shatters, out of his bag falls his journal, and it flips open to the most recent entry, in which he writes to his patron, I know my friends are mean to me sometime, but I know they deep down care, so please look out for them for me, even if I can't. No! Finnick, hearing all of this from down the hallway, stands in the office, and a single, not quite sure if I should, but I kind of want a tear, rolls down his cheek. Fook has no idea what's happened, so he just hauls himself to his feet and thinks of bananas. Pobis pulls out a list from his robes. Oh, that was Moldar? Crosses off a name shoves it back in his robes, and begins to run down the hallway, seemingly safe, unknowingly towards a very broken Finnick. This has been Caverns and Comedians, Dungeons and Dragons-powered storytelling with Toronto Comedians. Starring Oliver Giorgio as Finnick the Rogue, Joanna Houghton as Agatha the Cleric, Maddox Campbell as Maldar the Warlock, Scott Thrower as Fook the Paladin, and Kyle Scott as the Dungeon Master. Audio recording by Andrea Miller, theme by Derek Baldwin, edited by Maddox Campbell, created by Kyle Scott and Maddox Campbell. Opening and credits read by Ralph McLeod. Caverns and Comedians is a Kicks and Giggles production. More information can be found at kicksandgigglesentertainment.com slash cavernsandcomedians or on iTunes. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please like, share, and review it. Your support will help us make more episodes. 
Thanks for listening. Hey everyone, uh, welcome to a very special Chatting Caverns. We're going to be doing a little <laughs> post-episode. <laughs> you took stupid name? Yeah, I took, <laughs> I took Andrea's stupid name. We're going to be doing a little out-of-character chat. Uh, we recorded a surprisingly short episode because something very important happened at the end of it. Wow. They, they Which, just heard it. They, they just know. heard it. They know what happened. Yeah, you I know. Died. It wasn't that you died. Maldar it seemed died. Im- it was important to me. Uh, now they're just hearing that you're even lamer than Maldar. I still don't know why he gets so much flack I think he's great He's the one who's either going to keep this or edit it out (laughs) Yeah, that's true Well, I mean, it's pretty common for you guys to both make fun of me and Maldar So we're just letting people behind the curtain Woo! Yeah Parting the kimono (laughs) (laughs) That's that's Uh, weird Yeah, so just so we all remember who we are in real life Sure Uh, So I am Maddox, I am the editor And I also play Maldar on the show Why was there a pause there? He'll edit that out. Yeah, uh, I edit out all the pauses, so don't worry about it. What? Nothing. I, and I'm Scott Thrower. I play Fook Wimbles. Uh, my name is Kyle Scott. I am the dungeon master writer. Uh, all this is my fault. He's the man we hate yeah. and love and hate. Uh, hi, I'm Oliver Giorgio, and I play. Fl- uh, wow. Hi, I'm Oliver Giorgio, and I play. I, <laughs> I was really hoping to not yeah. have to edit the shit out of this. No, no, we are not. Seems like I'm still gonna have my to. My name is Oliver, and I pay to play. Um, no, I, my name is Oliver, and uh, I play Finnick Fleetfoot. Oh, I don't think I've ever heard the last name. Yeah. I always think Fleetwood, <laughs> yeah. like Mac. Uh, hey guys, I'm Joanna Houghton, and I play Agata Stokas. Yeah, I mean, all of our characters actually do have last names. They are listed on the website that you can always check a little starting bio that we all submitted. So if you want to know what our last names are, they're up there. Because uh, our last are names are really that important. I'm just, well, you you love saying your character's last name. Yes, so you does, do. So I love does Scott. saying my, my character's name in general. I created her, so of course I love saying her name. Yeah, just most people don't go around with full name introductions off everyone they meet. They okay, guys, I'm to. curious. I, I joined this late, so what got you to start this? I think the creator of the show was me and Kyle working together. And honestly, it was because we were playing Dungeons and Dragons with Scott. And we thought we could do better. Well, (laughs) too bad you didn't. Uh, Oh, Oh, no. I feel like I'm having the kimono part in front of me. Well, I I think it was more of just, we found it was really interesting uh, the difference between the improvisers in our D&D group and the non-improvisers in our D&D group and the way we played. And we thought it would be fun to just get all improvisers and record it and edit out all the parts that are just... There's always parts of D&D that are kind of boring, but are needed to build the tension and to add the randomness that makes it unpredictable. But it's kind of boring to listen to. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Dungeons & Dragons podcasts, uh, especially the Adventure Zone. And differentiating yourself is important. Uh so I think it was Maddox's idea to just do this as a radio play because D&D is theater of the mind, and I have always been a huge fan of radio, uh, dramatic radio, like the old Orson Welles stuff was a big thing for me, and I love just the idea of doing that. It seems so masochistic to have to edit it all out, though. Yeah, no, it was. there's a clear reason why no one else does it. Uh, <laughs> it takes yeah. so much time per episode. Like, most D&D podcasts release, like, hour-long, two-hour episodes, basically unedited. Yeah. And we get normally like a 30 to 40-minute episode, and it probably takes me four to five times as much time as the original recording 
to edit each one. Yeah, but when we were first meeting, uh, it became clear that one of us was going to be DM and the other one would have to then edit because, like, writer and editor. And I saw that advantage <laughs> far sooner than he did. No, to be clear, well, I also I have more trust in my editing. Uh, to be clear, I also refused to edit because it would have fallen to me as... That would be I, Andrea I would, you're listening to yes, now. That is Andrea, Andrea, our recordist, who's always off mic and will always be quiet in the background, but is there. So judgy. There's so many judgments that just get edited out. We, we occasionally let her slide in. And Oliver, this is your first D&D experience, isn't it? Uh, yeah. I mean, I've played the RPGs and, and uh, character building games before, but uh, never uh, theater of the mind uh, D&D kind of thing. Uh, yeah, this is fantastic. Uh uh, I really enjoy playing. Uh, however, when I have a problem with something, I will argue it out. That's uh, half of the editing yeah, right and now. Then yeah, and I will yeah. edit it out. Yeah. There is part of why this episode is so short is because there was a number of arguments between Kyle and Oliver. That, that, took... was, that was the last episode. That, yeah, okay. That so <laughs> this is my first time as a DM was our first episode. Uh, we did a test episode with a different cast that did not go so well. Oh, I want to hear that. Um, it may someday be released if we don't. Was, we ever miss not, our schedule. <laughs> it was absolutely not the fault of the cast. I think uh, just figuring out how to do this format is very difficult. It's taken us a long time to get to the slow, slow pace we record today. Is yeah. much faster <laughs> than it was originally. And also, I'm just we're doing a homebrew that I'm writing and figuring out how to get what's in my head into your heads has not always been the easiest thing, especially Oliver's head. Also yeah. with our, our pre-episode, like our episode zero, if you want to call it, uh, we did not have the nice technical setup that we now have, which, you know... You has... mean your bed sheets? I'm speaking into a sock right now. <laughs> <laughs> we may have forgotten some of the equipment this recording session, but, you know, we have a nice tent of bed sheets that give us a nice little sound booth. Mm-hmm. We have... A different mic for each person on our original record we just stuck one mic in the middle of the room and hoped for the best and it was it was not great uh one thing that um i You're welcome yes thank you <laughs> thank andrea you, has been our advisor on all technical issues uh one thing that i have had to kind of adjust to is the idea that something that i've worked on so long uh can be uh, snuffed out in a moment at a moment's notice oh, character mean? death character death yeah. uh this mm. this this hit me even though it was even though it was maldar who died this hit me uh, oh. quite hard personally as oliver because i was like oh finnick has been so close to death so many times because the whole point of this character is to base everything on luck uh and so when my luck uh doesn't uh hold up uh i come very close to death uh, i've come very close to death uh, quite a few times and this just kind of hits at home that, oh, I've been so lucky so far. <laughs> well, I don't think people at home know what the rules of character death are for this podcast. Yeah. I'm Because once again, we're following the D&D rules, so it sometimes seems inconsistent when we speak in out-of-game terms when sure. game term things happen. For example, people have been falling unconscious all over the place because that's what happens in D&D when you hit zero hit points. I think he meant... Not necessarily the mechanics of death in Dungeons and Dragons. Oh yeah, no, that's but boring. the implications of death on oh, caverns and comedians. Oh, for our, okay. Which Maddox and I, when we were discussing this, um, our instinct is to get as many people as we know and like involved in the things we do, um, because 
generally people are better liked than us in, as individuals. So we like to get their shine. Um, I can't argue against that. That was almost a compliment at the beginning, but then it twisted. It does. <laughs> it, it, it twisted. Does. It does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's who I am. Uh, so we thought that if a character died, we would not simply have the same player roll a new character, that what we might do is ask another person to take their place. And the other person could come back because we don't know what the future holds. Um, I could just go kill crazy TPK. And and we've also had characters leave the show a character. and not die. Yeah. Well, uh, John yeah. Richardson, who was in the first three episodes, uh, he just got so super busy that he wasn't able to. Oh, I assumed he died. No, no. No, no he just got really busy. You I didn't find... listen? Meh. <laughs> both, both John Richardson and his character Balgor are alive. Yeah. Uh, Balgor wandered off, and John Richardson got busy with his own podcast. That's how I remember it. Uh, I was just going to say that going off of what you said, Oliver. Is that how you remembered it, or is that the name of his that podcast? Is, that is the name of his podcast. <laughs> it's called That's How I Remember no. It. I realize now let's not talk over it. Joe as she has something no, valuable okay, to say. Right, no, I, I want to hear. No, I was just going to say that, uh, Oliver, going off of what you said earlier about how this thing that you've worked on for however many months can just be snuffed out in a second is it's true you get attached to these characters i did a a, a, a role-playing game that was world of darkness based and we played it for three years and our characters though they didn't die but at the end when it was done it was like a death yeah and it's like you you look back on it and I still have my character sheet. I'm like, this is three years of my life playing this game with these well, people. And, and we these... do get into these characters. At one point, Joe stopped a recording to make fun of me because I was thinking like Fook and she could see it on my face. <laughs> that my face was Fook's face thinking. Yeah, and it was great to see. <laughs> I also think that if I met uh, Joe in a dark alley and did not give her immediately what she wanted, she'd probably try to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> Reflexively, yeah. Reflexively. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, that is 18 years of Kung Fu coming out right there. <laughs> I, I, that makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah. I, I feel like there's still a lot of the backstory of Maldar that is in my brain that I, on some part, want to share. All right. The safest person to get killed was Maddox. Because I... Unfortunately, I was not able to convince him to go away and never come back. I mean, it's in my house that we record this, and I put a lot of work into editing. I still want to. Be I would on have the show. loved the awkwardness of it, even if we all voted. <laughs> yeah. I'm, not, I'm not sure this is a democracy. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you no. vote me out, I take the show with me. <laughs> no, I, I don't want to edit it. No. Nope. Um, so <laughs> that's why you get to stick around because nobody wants to edit. Basically, <laughs> so we should expect a, a character from. Uh, yeah. All right. So yeah, that, we will say that right now that the only actor who is irreplaceable is sadly. I, I like. The, I'm, <laughs> sadly. I'm focusing on the word irreplaceable. <laughs> Not sadly. No. Okay. Focus uh, and if there is another death of another actor, then we'll handle that. Uh, see what we want to do. We're not. I've. Basically, they're is, saying we're all expendable. The three no. of us. You. Yes. All, you. Oh, sorry. Scott, Oliver, and me were apparently just replaceable. And want... Andrea, we're looking at you. <laughs> I would love to. <laughs> oh, no. oh, I uh, want to do my ardent squire. We'll, we'll figure that out when it happens, how, how we feel about it. It's like a flipping a coin. If you comes up heads and you wanted tails, then we'll know when that happens. But uh, there have been several times, as Oliver said that, when he felt like his character was near death, there have been several times when I know I could kill any one of you. And... 
part of me is just, you know what, I'm not going to do it this time. Uh, maybe it's be sometimes it's been because the uh, the car- the monster or the person who you started a fight with uh, has other goals in mind, and sometimes just. I don't feel like this would be a good place to kill this person. Well, that's just part of DMing. I've been DMing yeah. for about 30 years now. Good Lord. Now you know how old I am. Uh, <laughs> 72. 30, 32. And, You're 32. And a lot of that is you can kill people, but sometimes it's not for the best of the fun. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I felt Maddox getting killed in a boss fight when part of the theme of this arc, very loose theme, uh, had to do with losing friends and it was a lot about Fook's backstory and uh so it felt like that was a boss fight i was okay with someone dying in and i had that in my head that if there was that moment and if a magic user decides they're going to grapple someone that they could have stayed <laughs> far away from <laughs> and then crit fails have, on it. so I'm a warlock and he's a wizard. I should be stronger than him, but I just roll terribly at everything. If you're a magic user, don't grapple people at home. That's just, uh, yeah, so. Yeah, don't grapple people at home. <laughs> yeah, just leave <laughs> at home and grapple everyone on the street. <laughs> yeah. If yeah. they want to be grappled, you can grapple them. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, now we're getting into Let's clarify that. <laughs> yep. Pobis is a glass cannon. For those who know the term, it's a, he's, he's a magic user, so he's probably not got a lot of HP. Uh, but he is able to take away a lot of HP, and he cone of colded you, which is a very high level spell, and killed you outright. Uh, I just have a question about the whole glass cannon thing. Uh, wouldn't a glass cannon firing something uh, with an explosion blow the glass cannon? It's up? just a saying. Yes. Yeah, he's yes. not why, a literal glass cannon. Why it's not a is literal it, glass cannon? Why isn't the glass cannon already broken? It's Pobis to say it's dead. a cannon, I feel like but Pobis it's should fragile. Be dead. <laughs> if he's a glass cannon. Okay, okay. This uh, is how editing I'm and recording curious, generally though. goes. <laughs> I'm curious, though, with all of this, all of these episodes you guys have gone through so far, what have you learned the most about doing a D&D podcast? Not, trying not to talk over each other. <laughs> that's Well, that's the specific podcast. Um, I... Also, the ebb and yeah. flow of uh, when to fuck with the DM and when, <laughs> and when to uh, when to move it along. Where's the ebb of that? <laughs> <laughs> when has that ever ebbed? <laughs> well, when when I want to move it along. One um, thing that I've uh, that I've learned is just uh, to play off of each other and getting to know the people around the table. Now, uh, several episodes in, I kind of we all have a groove and we know how each other's how we all talk and how we interact. So I feel like our character interactions just improve because we're starting to know each other better. Yeah, there was one episode where I felt we just clicked and ever since then the character interactions have just been pretty effortless. Yeah, that, yeah, exactly. Although that might be fucked up now that uh, Maldar's gone. Well, you know. Yeah, we'll yeah we wait. don't all have someone to, to hate like, yeah. together. <laughs> so we I may would, turn on each other. Did you I, would, us. I would really appreciate if my new character isn't just defaulted to the person to everyone ha- picks on. Hated. Why don't we all no si- in unison turn our heads to the DM? <laughs> well, uh, Maddox and I have been performing together on stage for like seven years now. And nope. Maldar is very close to what your first instinct as a character to play is. Yeah, I, I often do play characters who are in some way nerdy and picked on. And that is, yeah. Yeah, that is my base. You went to your yeah. safety there. Uh, I do know you are capable of other characters. Yeah, so. and I'll be honest, I didn't, I don't know if I meant to go to my safety there. Like I built a character in my head and then I did the voice that I felt I could maintain the best. And it just sort of invoked that character and everyone else. Cause I mean, maybe you're, I next... don't think he was necessarily terrible. Yeah, he was. Maybe your next character could be good. 
No, he chose a character that isn't, I well, think. that's where Maldar came from. Where did Agata and Finnick come from? Yeah. That's interesting. Oh, you want to take this oh, one well, first? Well, thank you. <laughs> do I want to take this one Yeah, first? do you want to take this one first? <laughs> no? Uh, sure. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Uh, yeah. Um, well, Finnick, I, I always choose the rogue uh, stealth. Like, when I was playing Oblivion, I was... I uh, had my my stealth and and uh, sneak attack up so high that I could go up behind a main boss and kill him in three swipes of my sword. Mm-hmm. Uh, Need to up the difficulty. <laughs> <laughs> also, I had never slept, so the levels never went up. <laughs> uh, so there's that. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, but uh, what's it called? So uh, so I, I wanted to be a rogue, but I also wanted to have fun. So I just chose a very uh, yeah, base it on luck kind of. I wanted I wanted to be as fleeting as possible. Hence, Fleetfoot. You're also like as a performer, a mischievous player. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so it, it it lets me uh, fuck with things in and out of the universe uh, yeah. quite easily, which is fun. Yeah. Uh, Joe, you're not the rest of us. Have uh, a lot of improv experience. You have a different background. Yeah, I mean, uh, my improv experience is limited. Maddox and I met on uh, a dramatic feature-length improv film that he that he worked on and that I, that I worked on. So my improv experience is very non-comedy. Uh, I'm an actor, and that's where my character role-playing comes from, and that's very much, as you can hear, where I'm coming out of. <laughs> um, and my Agata developed kind of out of that, but also kind of Maddox brought me into this podcast and he also said, you have to be a cleric. And then I researched into D&D because I haven't actually played D&D. I played other role-playing games and realized that everybody's like, I hate being the cleric. I hate being the cleric. <laughs> so I decided to create a character who hates being the cleric. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. And I said you had to be a healer because I thought we should have someone who does magic, someone who does healing, someone who's strong and someone who is roguish. And of course, the only female and, gets the healer. And that's, that's just what was left by the time she exactly. got back to me. That's all that was left. <laughs> so, it wasn't that I made the woman the healer. It's that that was what was left by the time I got yeah, heard back. The healer can be fun because... You're a healer who hates healing people. Yes. Um, my my inspiration was a little bit of house. Like, I'll heal you. I'll be really good at it. But I'll mock you and insult you. For well, this. I really liked how much freedom we were given to create our characters. Because when I was invited to come in after Bal- Balgor left, I was pretty much given a, a wide open slate on how to create my character, which was nice. So I could look at Balgor, see how he filled in the party, what was going to be missing when he was gone. And I designed Fook based on that. Nice. I thought you hadn't listened to it. I know, I lied. <laughs> uh, I listened we, to it. I just we didn't talked enjoy about it. it a bunch. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> oh. <laughs> now, yeah, no, who's we, next? Who's next? <laughs> we, we just needed someone who could take some hits, someone who would be our fighter, because yeah. Bowser yeah. was the fighter. Uh, and also, he was also the main comic relief, so I went for that as well. Yeah, he was yeah. very much the like the most absurd character. Yeah. Again, yeah, because I find you guys are, because of your comedy improv, you're just bouncing off of each other with the comedy and sometimes I'm like I'm a little lost but that's okay I'm playing my character it's fine yeah you gotta you have to have it in improv uh, it's just about being in the moment and being present and then if you're a funny person you'll be funny I felt really bad uh, when I actually had that moment of I launched Cone of Cold at you and it was something like 8d8 or 8d6 and i rolled four dice and you're like oh i maddox says oh i'm unconscious because we actually we do play 
straightforward with dice and our character sheets. And he's like, oh, I'm unconscious. And it's like, I still have more to go here. And then I rolled the max damage, essentially. Yeah, there was a good moment of me blinking at my sheet going, there's got to be something I can do. (laughs) (laughs) I just got one-shotted to my face. It's got to be some sort of way to sneak out of this, but there was nothing I could pull off. I had such plans for Maldar. You... Yeah, we'd set up that whole thing with the book and with the, his apartment being shown as the mm-hmm. center of it all. And and I think that's a nice thing is that we did get enough into hints about Maldar that he will still be part of the story even if he isn't a character actively in it. Because I think his his DNA is in the story itself. And it's in that journal you left behind. It's in the journal. There's... Yeah, we don't talk about what and DNA it's all is over left his house. in the journal. <laughs> yeah, it's all over the it's place. Over his house yeah. and... You can't read the journal. All the pages are stuck together. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And I reiterate, we have socks over our microphones. <laughs> yeah, I kind of built I kind of built the story assuming that Maldar would be there. <laughs> because as we said, uh, Maddox is going to stick around, so yeah, but Maddox, not Maldar. <laughs> and despite what it sounds like, there is an overarching story. <laughs> so, uh, Well, it'll be interesting to see how you adjust. Yeah. Or how I refuse to adjust. I know Fook <laughs> is going to be a happier character <laughs> without his enemy. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, does this Is this going to change the way you guys play your characters moving forward? Is this going to change anything about that? Yeah, I think Fook's going to be more cheerful because he doesn't lift up his shield every time to see that there's a murderer standing five feet away from him. As a paladin, there's a certain, even though he's a vengeance paladin, there was a certain part of him that could not let go of that. Hmm. I think Agata will have been softened on the memory of Maldar just because of maybe what, you know, what he's done or what he can do or with the time passing and him not killing any more people in front of her. Yeah, he came to the the save the day a a couple times. (laughs) And I want to be clear on vis-a-vis Maldar being evil and being a murderer. I think my understanding of Maldar was not so much that he was evil and wanted to kill. It's just that he has a little bit of a sheltered childhood. And he he, ended up killing people? and, And so he didn't always understand what other people's morals were about, which is why he was, if someone asked them to, to die? He was fine. He didn't see what the qualms of killing someone who wanted to die was. Is your speech about Hitler approximately the same thing? Uh, no, it's very different. <laughs> okay. Very different. Yeah. Uh, the, well, the funniest moment I've had doing this so far was when Maldar was happily sawing off the head of <laughs> Madison, the, the Eden, and the rest of you were horrified. I thought that was the funniest thing we've done. I thought it was great, too, because once again, Maldar didn't see that as an evil act. He didn't see it as hurting someone, he saw it as helping someone get what they wanted. And what will Finnick do without his good buddy Maldar? Um, Enough ah. said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think I that know. sums that up. <laughs> I don't know if uh, if it'll change much because I've I've still got ambitions for the guy. I mean, I'll be more aware of the possibility of death, uh, and maybe I'll back off a, a little bit more. But um, in the end, he's an ambitious character. So, nope. Well, that's, that's what I think comes down to it is, yeah, we want our characters to live and we want to inhabit them for as long as possible. But eventually, essentially, we have to play our characters. So yeah. if he's ambitious and reckless and bold, then playing that character is part of the fun. Then you just do that, right? Yeah. So Maldar was the first, but he may not be the last. I hope you enjoyed this little look behind the scenes. And we'll be heading back to regular style episodes soon. I've killed before. I'll kill again.
I in two weeks when the next episode comes out. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> See you, everyone. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Why are you waving?